you're listening to sermon audio from Ankeny Free Church in Ankeny, Iowa, a community in Christ on a mission to reach our community for Christ. To learn more, head over to ankenyfree.church. With that, if you would, turn to me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. So this past week, I've been watching the uh, sports games and the people play the, the sports. And whether it's football or volleyball or even other things, I've noticed something about this. And I, and I researched it, and I found that it was true. It was true in the Iowa Northwestern game. It was true in the Iowa State game. It's true in the Missouri game, it was true for both of the Ankeny games, for the Ankeny Christian Academy games. And that is this, that if you score more points, you win. It's, it's true. And sometimes I know you got you to gotta kind of chop it up, like with volleyball, you know, because each of the little match sets, they, you know, you got to spread it out and do some different things. But it's absolutely true. Now, I know what you're thinking. Todd, you are a sports genius. First of all, thank you. That's very kind. A second of all is just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Today, I'm going to tell you to love one another. It, it is the key point that Peter is trying to make in this passage, that you are to love one another. Now, it is a bit complicated. He uses a, a, a lot of different reasons and draws on some things that may not be intuitive for us, and so we're going to walk in that, but the primary message is rather simple, but it's not easy. I mean, we just need to look around our world and we will see it is not easy. You can just look at your own lives and see it's not easy. But I think in our passage today, we get a pathway for how we as God's people can love one another. And so, if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me give a little run-up of where we've been at. And verses 1 and 2, he gives an idea of what the entire book is going to be about. And then he begins to launch into our great salvation. This salvation, that is this inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And it's yours by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, through his death on the cross. And not only that, but this message has come from the prophets of old. And even though it wasn't really for them in the same way, they were writing for us. And then God, by that same Spirit, sent evangelists to preach the message to us. And because of that, we now who trust in the Lord Jesus live separate lives. These set-apart lives. That we are to live distinctly in this world for the glory of God and now we'll see for actually something else as well. And so if you would, turn with me to First Peter um, chapter 1. We'll start in verse 22. And if you would, please stand. We'll be reading and we'll be actually reading on into chapter 2. 
having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to us now in this moment, in this time, that you would work through my words or work in spite of my words. Lord, it's loving one another is something that we hear often in the pages of your scripture. It is very simple, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. So, Lord, do work in our souls, we pray. I pray you would speak through or in spite of me, but... Lord, we long to hear what you have to say. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Before we dig into loving one another, we should probably talk a bit about um, what is love? What is love? You know, it's interesting. In the Greek New Testament, there are four different words used that we translate into love. Something similar could be said in the the Old Testament, there's various words that we use that we translate into love. And in all those languages, Hebrew, Greek, and English, we have tons of other words that describe love that aren't the word love. But even in English, when we talk about the word love, just like in virtually all other languages, we got to define what it is that we're talking about. You can have a love for your family, a love for your job, a love for your friends, a love for your kids. You can, you can love your spouse. You can love pizza. You can love your country. And you can love the Lord. And every one of those is a little bit different. Some of them are quite a bit different. And so when we're called here to love one another, we need to define what that is. Now, if you're willing to come back, weeks on end, when we get through these next two, some part of three chapters, Peter is going to unfold what it means to live a set-apart life loving one another. So he's going to define this within the rest of this letter, but it's good for us to get a heads up on some of the things on where we are going. Um, One good way to think about the sort of love that Peter is talking about is to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here Paul is talking to a divided church, a church that struggles in loving one another, and he begins to describe then what this love should look like when they are loving one another. I'm going to start here in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so then, seeing this and understanding some of what Peter is saying here, he's going to give a little more definition to this love. We dive in. We are to love one another. Pretty simple, right? But what it gets hard is when he begins to describe some of the reasons that we are to love one another. Now, there's lots of reasons we should love each other. And if we love each other, it's a, it makes it a pleasant place, doesn't it? And it's kind of glad to be here when people love one another. But that's not where he starts. He gives a couple of reasons. The first reason is this, is that we have purified our souls for love. We have purified our souls for love. If you remember, last week we talked about um, sanctifying or making holy. Well, purifying is that same word group. We are to purify, make holy our own souls. And we are to do that in order that we would love. It's right there. It's verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly. That's what we are to do. We, when we follow the Lord, we are doing so, at least one of the reasons, is so that we would love one another. You ever have like a birthday or an anniversary or a special occasion and you get dressed up and there you are, you're, you're putting on your suit, you're putting on your dress And you are doing that because you're going somewhere nice, maybe to a friend's house, maybe there's people coming over and you're doing something nice there. You're going to see, you know, some sort of show or going out to eat. You you don't just get all dressed up and then just sit and watch TV. You don't get, you don't put on your suit and then, you know, go work in the garden or put on your dress and go mow. Right? You're doing so. You're taking these deliberate, special steps for a reason. Why are we to live holy lives? Right here, so that we would earnestly love one another from a pure heart. That's the first reason. The second reason is that we have been born again. Why do we love one another? We have been born again. The, the old you, you just live for yourself. You are born in this life of, of selfishness, of just thinking of your, your own life. Your, your eyes were just filled with darkness. But then the Lord Jesus came along and your eyes have been opened. And you trusted in him and you now have new life. You have a new life. You are starting over, right, as a, as a little baby spiritually, and you're beginning to grow, and you have been born again. Your old life, yes, wickedness, evil, selfishness, but this new life, this new life for the glory of God, with, with the mission and purpose to, to see the gospel go out, but also so that you would love one another. You would love one another. Now, now, Peter begins to make this interesting argument, which 
I'll confess, it doesn't naturally come to me, so hang with it. And I, I wrote a little bit more in your outline so that you wouldn't have to write stuff down. But I want you to, to follow along the way that he's thinking. And, and the, the first thing that we learn about our, our new life, being born again, is that our new birth is from imperishable seed through the Word of God. And, and the point he's making here is that the the foundation upon which we stand on in our own salvation is not from something that grows and then dies, but from something that grows and never dies. I'm sure you've seen this if you have plants or if you have a garden. Some of your plants now that you did not chop down or till under or whatever you do, they've withered and died. They've withered and died. They cannot endure the cold. They perished. But that's not our salvation. That's not what it's built upon. It's built upon something that endures, something that lasts. Uh, moreover, the Word of God is, is living and abiding, and it's not like failing people, and it culminates in the gospel. The best way I have found to understand what Peter is saying here is to start backwards, and then we are going to work our way up. So we have new life because we have trusted in Jesus. And not just Jesus, but, the, but when Jesus died and shed his blood on the cross, something that Peter talks about several times already in chapter 1, it, it, is, it is through the work of Jesus that we have new life. We, we are a new creation. We have a righteousness that's not our own. We have life everlasting with the Father with an inheritance that can't be touched. And that comes through Jesus. Now, this good news has been talked about already through the pages of the Old Testament. And even though the prophets didn't completely understand or they were talking about something that was to happen in the future, which was for us, they still wrote about it. And in fact, he points to Isaiah chapter 40, this new section in the book of Isaiah where they are looking for deliverance, not just from a nation, but from sin and suffering. And it's going to be led by this servant that takes the pain and the, endures the, the punishment for himself. All of this talked about in this section of Isaiah he says, the all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That means that what we are trusting in isn't simply fallible people that have said things in the past. Because like it or not, unless the Lord comes, every one of us will die. Our time will be here and then it will be gone. And so if it just simply rests upon weak, fallible, temporary people, what kind of promise is that? And what he's saying no is this promise is something that goes back there. It is, it is something that is abiding, and it is something that is relevant. It is living for us. And, and so therefore, when we think about being born again, uh, this, this isn't just something that, that we just take for you know, our own imagination, and that we don't just simply even take Peter's word for it, but we look back to the Word of God 
and how the Word of God has pointed us to the Gospel, has pointed us to Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, we trust upon this foundation that has been looking forward to Jesus all this very time. And the point is, is this new life, which we can stand firmly upon, is a new life where we are to love one another. Now, now Peter doesn't just stop there, but he makes his argument, I don't know, rather practical. And he then now shows us what the opposite of love is. The opposite of love. Chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. This is the opposite of love of love. Now, I know some of you are like, man, sometimes I just wonder if the Bible is relevant. You know, if the Bible really understands our day and age and our technology and the opportunities. And I feel like chapter 2, verse 1, is a fulfilled prophecy on the internet. Isn't that the internet? This is the, this is the culmination of like, why do people get online? Well, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. That kind of is the basis, I think, of, of just about, well, most websites. So, but this is a list of what love can't be. It's, we see that sin is social. And so, therefore, when we do evil, we do, it affects other people as well. We, we see that you, you can't have love and want to destroy someone. You, you can't have love and you're trying to deceive someone. You, you can't have love and be play-acting about who you are. You can't show love and be desirous of what someone else has. You can't have love and want to destroy people with your words. You can't do that. You can't live a holy, set-apart life and have these things also be a part of your life. And so, therefore, if we want to walk in this holiness where we are loving one another, these things need to be then put away. But Peter doesn't just simply say that we need to stop doing this. He says that there's something that we should take on, really something that we should desire. And that is then the fuel for love. We see that in verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. (laughs) We need to long for the pure spiritual milk. Here, I think, referring to the good news of Jesus Christ as foretold by the Word of God, that we need to desire to see the gospel as central in our lives. We need to long for it. Look, I don't know if you've ever had a baby, but I mean, they, they, only, they only eat one thing, right? This milk. They need milk. Now, other parts of the Bible, when we talk about milk and babies, it's often used as a negative. It's often used as a contrast to an adult that eats solid food. And so usually we see it where you shouldn't be at milk, you should be at solid food. That's used a couple of places. Here, though, Here, though, uh, the image is one that's positive. 
You know, much like leaven, if you ever, leaven is often used for false teaching, but yet Jesus does describe the kingdom of God as like leaven because leaven is like yeast and you can spread it through bread so that bread rises. And I know we don't do that much anymore, but back then that's how they, that's how they made rising bread is they had to keep something that would spread. And so in the same way, in the same way here, we see that this is a positive. You should want this spiritual milk. You should be feeding yourselves with this spiritual milk. You should be reminding yourselves of the good news of Jesus Christ so that you will grow into your salvation, so that you will rise in holiness and be about the character and priorities of our Lord. But Peter makes this important caveat. If indeed, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. When we talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, oftentimes we use these four challenges that we talk about. And the first challenge of Jesus is really to taste and see. It's to believe. It's to trust in the Lord. And then from there, we follow the Lord, we become fishers of people, and we go and we bear much fruit. But it all starts, it all starts with an experience of Jesus Christ, where where it isn't just our minds agreeing to some religious things, but this is what we depend upon. This is what we're looking forward to. This is where our hope rests. And I'm going to give some practical points here in just a moment, but if, if you're not there, I don't want you working through a checklist of do's and don'ts. What we need to see is our need for Jesus. That our hope rests on what He did, not on what we do. On who He is and not who we are. And to simply put our trust in Him is foundational. And that's what I'm saying. That's what Peter's saying. That's what the Bible says. That it starts with Jesus. And then from the work that the Holy Spirit does in us, we are now able to move on to these other things that God has called us to. But we never really graduate from the gospel. I just love this, this word that he gives there at the end. You tasted that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, O you who saints, for unto those who trust him there is no want. You know, young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those of us that seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. This is it. This is where it starts. It's with Jesus. It's with the work that the Lord is doing. All right. So love one another. It is simple but not easy. How can we do that? And how do we see that here in this passage? So what? So what? I have three things for us here today. Three things for us. The first is look for the warning signs. Look for the warning signs. Uh, The warning signs that we see in chapter 2, verse 1. There are warning signs that he gives here that indicate that there may be something wrong in your soul. This doesn't mean that 
you are not saved, but it does mean that you're not living this set-apart life of loving one another if all you want to do is see someone destroyed. Do you have hatred in your heart towards someone? Do you envy someone? Are you deceiving someone? Are you play-acting in front of other people? Are you wanting to see someone destroyed and are destroying them with your words? We used to have this old van, and I don't know if any of you have ever had an old car, but after a while, these lights appear on the dashboard, (laughs) these dashboard lights, right? And so with this van, we loved this van. This van was great, but it it would have these lights that would come on. And I remember one time we were finishing a band concert and it was brutally cold and the wind was ferocious and there was precipitation that was coming out. I mean, it's just awful out. And I get in the van and I saw not one, not two, but four lights that came on. And I am just like, oh, I, oof, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. My whole family right here, it's a lot. And we get to the end, about to get out of the parking lot, and a fifth light came on. It's a new Hessel record. (laughs) That van served us well in many, many miles, but it had problems. The van is no longer with us. It's no longer with anybody. It's it went to wherever the vans go when when they've met their end. That's they are because it had there was issues there. And just like a dashboard light appearing on, he gives us a list, a very practical list of when do we see that there are issues where are we loving someone? It's so murky. It's so, it's, it's so hazy. Oh, well, I hate this person. I'm, I'm pretending in front of another, and I, I want to have everything this other person has. I'm, I'm not living as this new life. I Instead of life, I want to see destruction. Instead of truth, I want to see lies. Instead of, instead of honesty, I'm, I'm pretending. Instead of contentment, I just have desire for other things that I don't have. And I feel like instead of using my words to bless, I use them to destroy. Look at the warning lights. Second, the second thing is to crave the gospel. Is to crave the gospel, that we are to desire uh, the Word of God, but not just the Word of God. Uh, we, we want to read it, right? But we read it to understand it. When we understand it, we realize then it's pointing to Jesus. And, and we need to crave that. We need to crave that. It's, the gospel isn't just for the unbelievers. It's for those of us that believe as well. And, and you got to want it. you got to want it. I have a thing. I don't know if you guys know what this is. Anybody, anybody want to hazard a guess? It's a cup. It's a cup. There we go. Were you going to say cup? Fantastic. Now, this cup, I know it has a pig on it. I don't, I don't put like smoked pork or chorizo or bacon in it, although that sounds fantastic, right? Praise God for the new covenant. Um, but one of the things, and I don't know if you enjoy this or not, Again, I'm not a health professional, so you can save your emails, but one of the things I enjoy in the morning 
It's a cup of coffee. It's warm. It's this moment of of joy in my life just to to have this. And I, I, I really enjoy it. And I know some of you do as well. You know, it wasn't always the case with me, though. Early on, I wasn't much of a coffee drinker. I liked the idea of it, but, you know, my cup of coffee was, you know, a a cup of cream, half a cup of sugar, two teaspoons of coffee, right? It was kind of this. My mom's like, that's not coffee. What are you doing here? If you're going to drink coffee, just drink coffee. So I was like, you know, you're right. You're right. And, you know, we had the the Folgers vacuum pack that you, you kind of open up and it explodes. And, you know, you keep it for two years and just kind of slowly it's, you know, it's, it's bitter, and, you know, you're, you're there initially trying to be like, oh, and so it's an acquired taste for many people. And I'm not saying the gospel is an acquired taste, but I'm, I am saying that it does take work. It takes work to learn to crave the good news of Jesus Christ. It takes work. And, and maybe in your life there needs to be things where you are... You are feeding that craving. You're nurturing that craving. Maybe it's a simple rule. The Bible before anything every morning. The Bible before anything or Bible before phone. Maybe you're on a reading plan where you're consistently getting the Word of God into your life. You make fellowship a regular part of what you're doing in Bible study and community groups. You're, you're making this a regular part because you know that you need to be fed. You, you know that you need to crave the good news of Jesus Christ. You, you know that you need to long for this because this is the key to the sort of life God has called you to. A, a life where you are set apart. A life where you are to love one another. And if you have the good news of Jesus Christ, where you have God's love being reminded in your life over and over and over again, where you are, are told once again that, that even though it's not by your effort, but by God's goodness and grace that you are redeemed, when you are reminded that you have an inheritance that cannot be taken away, a life that cannot be snatched, that you have a purpose here on this earth, you have a righteousness that comes from the Lord Jesus himself, it impacts the way you treat others. It changes you. The good news of Jesus Christ changes you. The the gospel affects everything. And as you read the New Testament, you will see that they are not interested in behavior modification but that you would be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ and it comes out in your life in gospel-type ways. And so, if you want to love other people, right, you need to be reminded time and time and time again of God's goodness toward you. And from that, you are then able to love others in ways that are way beyond what you can do in your own resources. So crave the gospel. And then lastly, we need to be a people of love. We need to be a people of love, right? We're we're people of truth. We're people that are willing to, to take risks. We're people that are resilient. We're people that are perseverant. We're people that are dedicated. But we also need to be people of love love people of love 
time and time and time again, the scriptures tell us to love, right? 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Let all that you do be done in love. Romans 13, 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Matthew, uh, Matthew 20. It's, it's the, the, the great commandment, right? <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The, the words of Jesus, John uh, 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. And Peter is on this again. He will say it more times here in this very letter, how we are to love one another. And, you know, it's hard. We live in a dark world. People are at each other. And I tell you what, the more and more you see, it just seems like the worse and worse it seems to be. The, the more you peel back, the more you know, the, the darker it becomes. I think all of us feel this. All of us are aware of this. And even though we know it, sometimes we're just surprised by its intensity and its spread. And this world needs a light. And that light is the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus has called us to be that light. And in this community, we need to love one another. And I, I tell you what, you guys are fantastic people, but even sometimes within here, it is difficult to love one another. It's easy to be pleasant. I mean, I know it takes some effort, but, you know, we're pleasant. It's, there's a lot less fighting this week in the foyer than there was last week, and I'm just so thankful didn't have to break it up as much as we did before. I think we're doing, we're doing better, but, but we have room to grow. Because love costs. It takes time. It takes resources. It takes effort. It takes being intentional. And that's what the Lord has called us to. But there is hope. And, and I see love. And I see love here, even in our midst. I know this past week there were two banquets that I was able to go to on the Ruth Harbor and Together for Good. Uh, Ruth Harbor ministers to women that are pregnant and, and just have had children where they don't have a lot of resources to be able to, uh, to address their own situation. Um, Together for Good is a kind of a pre-foster care um, setup to where families that have children that are in need can have some respite and some other people that come along. Maybe they don't have family or other people that maybe others would have, and they are able to experience very practically love. But in order to do those two things, it costs a ton of money. It costs a ton of money to set up houses. It costs a ton of money to operate with professionals that are able to, to serve the people that are coming in. It costs a ton of money to train and to organize all of these kinds of things. In order to do one placement with a family that just needs some respite, it's, it's about $1,500. Uh, to be able to, to serve the needs of these women that are coming in that are pregnant, it costs a ton of money. And yet, and yet, you know what I see? I go to that and I see you guys at these places writing your checks, investing in this. And why is that? 
as we say oftentimes here at Ankeny Free, we love because he first loved us. And that's the sort of people we need to be. As the worship team comes forward, I want to invite us to a time of prayer. And so if you would, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we ask that this place would be a place of love. And Lord, help us to be drawn back to your word, drawn back to the cross, uh, so that this love grows from a place that, that cannot be uh, destroyed, from an imperishable seed, from a foundation that cannot be removed. And, and I pray, Lord, that as we go forward and we love other people, we don't do so simply from our own small bag of resources, but instead we do so from the power that you give us through your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that this love is not ever disassociated from the, the good news of Jesus Christ, but Lord, um, intimately and inextricably connected to it. Lord, the world can be dark. And, and even people here, there, there's darkness in parts of their lives. And, and I pray together uh, that this would be a place of hope, a place of compassion, a place of warmth, a place of love. A lot of people come in here with pain, even pain from other churches, pain from bad religious experiences, pain from great difficulty. And it takes, it takes a lot to risk opening oneself up in a setting like this. And I, I pray, Lord, that their confidence would not be resting upon other people, but would be in you. But still, Lord, I pray that we'd all be faithful in this area particularly, that we would love one another. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please stand. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by this week's message, and we invite you to join us every Sunday, in person or online, for morning worship. Have questions about what it means to know and follow Jesus? Simply email Todd at ankenyfree.church. Thanks for listening.